Hi, everyone, and welcome to this special episode of KKSI Presents. My name is Will Johnston, and I'm a life member of the Theta Sigma chapter at Fairmont State University. I'm also serving on the 2021 National Nominations Committee. Today, we are continuing with our election specials with our first candidate for Vice President for Student Affairs, Connor Terry. Connor's from the Alpha chapter at Oklahoma State University and just retired as the communications director for the Southwest District Alumni Association. He currently serves as an academic advisor for the School of Business at Oklahoma State University. Connor, thank you for being with, uh, thank you for being with us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's such an honor. All right, so to get started, can you tell us just a little bit about your personal and professional life? I would love to. So professionally right now, um, as you mentioned, I do work at Oklahoma State University uh, as an academic advisor. Um, I actually don't have a background in business, which is really uh, interesting. So I actually got my uh, bachelor's degree in 2016 in psychology. So completely unrelated field. Um, and then I took about a semester off. Uh, I went full time and and worked in the financial aid realm at Oklahoma State. I decided that it wasn't for me. I wanted to be in student affairs, but I, I just, there was something about telling students, no, you can't, no, you can't, no, you can't afford that. Just really kind of broke down myself. And so I ended up resigning from my job, uh, started my master's degree in college student development, and I actually earned that in 2019. So not only did I graduate right before the centennial, I was also job searching during the centennial. So uh, to all of our spring grads out there, I have felt what you are going through. If you're going to a convention, just make sure that you don't take interviews during the actual convention. That's my pro tip. Um, but right now I work with about 300 different students uh, from a variety of different degrees. I have uh, students in marketing, management, entrepreneurship, international business, general business, and hospitality tours of management. So a pretty, pretty wide range of students there. Um, but outside of that, um, you know, we have conversations about things like uh, basically, you know, how to graduate, what classes to take, campus resources. Um, I actually just had two phone calls with students in crisis. Um, so I deal with a lot of uh, uh, basically COVID or non-COVID related uh, crises, mental health, financial concerns, um, family deaths, things like that. Um, I also advise our student organization, it's OSU DECA. Um, it's kind of like a decathlon group for business students that compete both statewide and nationally. Um, so we just got them started up and we're super excited for post-COVID life when they can actually go to national, uh, the national convention. I forget what they call it. Um, and then I also serve on two different uh, organization committees. Um, I'm rolling off as the current chairperson for the Employee Queer and Allies League at Oklahoma State. Um, I'm moving into kind of our new position. It's immediate past chair, basically the immediate past president role of Kappa Kappa Psi, but <laughs> locally here for, for our faculty and staff LGBT group. And then I'm also on the Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, planning committee for our celebration week. Um, so I definitely do a lot of things across campus uh, outside of just advising and things like that. Um, but more on a, a personal note, um, I do have a life outside of my eight to five. I do a plethora of things over there as well. Um, I am a big political activist. So if you follow me on social media, Facebook or Twitter, um, you probably have been seeing me post about the Oklahoma legislature uh, that just wrapped up, I think, last week or the week before. Um, so that has been a very uh, big passion point of mine. I'm also a big uh, gamer. Me and my partner uh, play video games all of the freaking time together. Um, 
I actually run my own podcast as well. Um, and I also do social media and I do um, occasional editorials for the Eurovision Song Contest. Um, so if you've watched the Eurovision Song or Eurovision uh, History of Fire Saga, I forget the name of the movie. It wasn't that good. But there was a movie by Will Ferrell that came out a while ago. If you've seen that, I basically cover the actual version of that um, live. And then the final thing is I'm a big, big reading junkie. Um, I'm currently reading through the auto. Well, the it's the annotated version of the Crown novels. Um, so I'm both watching the Crown and also reading about the Crown at the same time. It's quite fascinating. But there's a lot to me. I'll stop there. That's probably a good stopping point. Um, but that's that's probably me in a nutshell. All right. Awesome. Thank you. So can you tell me about your paternal experience and what led you to want to run for VPSA? Yeah, so I was initiated back in March of 2013. So about, I think, eight years ago, if that math. Yeah, that math is correct. Um, so basically, I, I didn't really know about Kappa Kappa Psi before I came to college. Um, I was just very fortunate, I think, to be in the right place at the right time and amongst the right people. I was a very socially awkward and a very shy um, student at the time. Um, I was also dealing with a lot of personal things um, about coming out and my own personal LGBTQ identity at that point. And so um, I was kind of having that like dissociative period where high school me was no longer who I actually wanted to be um, and actually wasn't even who I, I personally was. And, you know, looking back, it's actually really funny that most of the people that I gravitated towards and that I had such um, unique and natural connections with were all brothers of Kappa Kappa Psi. Um, so basically, it really, like I said, it was a circumstance uh, completely by accident. Um, I have to give a lot of credit to my uh, squad leader at the time, uh, Leanne Sturm. Um, she's actually now Leanne Sturm Guidry. Um, her and her fiance just got married, I think, a couple of years ago. Um, but she was essentially the biggest person who said, hey, you know, you need to do Kappa Kappa Psi. I think that you would be a perfect fit for us. I think that you are the person that we need in this chapter. Um, and so I listened. You know, I went to recruitment events. I went to things. I had some conversations. I was also uh, being recruited for Tau Beta Sigma as well. And after that whole entire period of, you know, going to recruitment events, meeting brothers and sisters, um, I really just decided that the, the individuals of Kappa Kappa Psi were more in line with, I think, what I needed at that time, um, which was more of that really just deep bond. Um, I really connected with the ideals of the fraternity. I was really excited about membership. Um, and also the individual who had end up being uh, my big brother at the time was one of my, not my closest friends, um, but probably the person who was kind of there for me the most uh, during my actual coming out process that happened after, uh, after my initiation a couple months after. Um, so kind of looking, uh, skipping ahead a little bit, um, I was the alumni secretary for the Alpha chapter for three years. Um, so basically right after I was initiated, I was elected into the role and I stayed in it all the way through graduation, um, which sounds really weird. You know, there's not a lot of people, I think, in Kappa Kappa Psi um, who not only stay in the same position for multiple years, but also go, yeah, 
I want to be the alumni secretary. But there was just something about that position that I loved, uh, being able to meet uh, past brothers and, and to kind of link them back to what we were doing. Um, I worked on a couple of newsletters for them. I threw a 95th anniversary banquet for our chapter. Um, and I invited people from all across the districts. Um, we actually even had someone who came from the University of Nebraska. Um, who came down, who's a really close friend of mine. So, you know, if, if you're if you're watching, you know who you are. Or if you're listening, you know who you are. Um, and then graduation happened. Um, I didn't really know what was going to happen. I was one of those people where I didn't really know what Kappa Kappa Psi had in store for me as an alumni. Um, so I very, very quickly got involved in the uh, Southwest District Alumni Association. Um, so Again, if you are also listening and you are a graduate who's graduating this spring, please join your alumni association on the district or the national level. Um, and they really kind of helped me shepherd or shepherd me along the way for that post-grad life. Um, I would go on to be a member of a couple of committees in there. I think I was in the strategic planning uh, committee uh, for a little bit there. And then in 2019, I was actually elected uh, to the communications director position, um, which you had mentioned I, I just rolled off of. So I was in there for two years. Um, we it, it was an interesting experience over there, you know, doing uh, a whole a whole district alumni association work uh, for the communication side of things, running social media, um, coming up with new and creative and innovative ways, working on our website. There was a lot of things that I was doing. And then COVID hit and all of the big plans and ideas that you're like, I'm so excited to do blank, all really got pushed to the side. And it was kind of one of those, you know, let's just stay afloat. Let's let's make sure the organization is running at that point. Um, which I think a lot of our brothers uh, probably can relate to from this past year. It's kind of, you know, let's let's stay in survival mode instead of thriving mode. Um, and so that was pretty much the last year. And that's kind of why I had chosen uh, not only to roll off of SWADA, but also to potentially offer my services over in the VPSA role. Um, I think that with a combination of both my fraternal experiences within the the alumni association level, the active level, um, I forgot to mention that I was also a district officer uh, for the Southwest District. I was our member at large for a while. And so I think not only can I use a lot of these experiences uh, from the multiple levels of our organization, but I can also pair those with my experiences within student affairs and, and really pair those with my work uh, with students as an academic advisor to really create this very unique product as the vice president of student affairs, where not only am I just helping to, to get our students by and answer questions, but I'm also trying to develop them as holistic individuals and holistic leaders. Um, so that's kind of what started the process. Obviously, you know, when you start thinking about running, you then got to put, you know, pe uh, paper to the pen, you got to come up with plans and ideas. And I know we'll get to those here in a second. But that's kind of been my trajectory. Um, it's not necessarily a unique story. I think that we all kind of have have a similar uh, pathway to, to that in some regard. Um, but I just saw an opportunity to serve. I felt like I was ready. I felt like I had the skills and I'm just excited to see what plays out. All right. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, can you talk about some of your goals that you uh, mentioned for 2021-2023 by NAM? I would be happy to. Yeah. So when I was thinking about running for vice president of student affairs, I, I was like, you know, what what can I contribute? 
what what can I bring to the table that has not been done before and, and, and things like that? And I think it was actually with the, the conversations that I was having with my students in the past year that really guided me to the answer of why do we need to reinvent the wheel? I mean, the wheel is predominantly working pretty well. Um, I mean, we are, as an organization are still afloat and I think there's some things that we can do better. And that's kind of where I guided myself for kind of my visions and my goals for the upcoming biennium. Rather than trying to come up with something new and fresh and cool, I wanted to work on what we already had and build that up and make that stronger. And so I kind of then again referenced the the conversations I was having with my students at the time. And I was like, what what are concerns that my students are having? What is going on on the ground level here on, on my campus? And three things really came up multiple times. My students felt like they did not have a community. My students felt like the institution didn't really care about them when they were just making decisions to make decisions. And my students were not ready for what happened during COVID. And I started thinking about like, you know, do some of these things tie back to Kappa Kappa Psi? Are other things that I'm hearing, other conversations that I've had that that relate to this? And, and the answer was yes. Um, you know, because I think when you look at some of the conversations we've been having at district conventions, uh, the VPSA chats, the Kappa Kappa Psi presents podcast, a lot of the themes that I've been hearing over the past year have been about belonging, they've been about mattering, and they've been about preparation or feeling prepared. And so that's kind of where my three pillars came from. Um, Specifically within belonging, I, again, I'm not looking to really, you know, reinvent the wheel. I'm not trying to come up with anything like super cool, super fresh or anything like that. Um, but really what I'm trying to do is is not only create a space where everyone feels uh, welcomed into the organization, but there's a space for everyone in the organization. And I think one of the ways that we can do that is um, as Vice President of Student Affairs, working really closely with the, the National DEIA uh, Task Force and coming up with ideas, whether that's conversations with workshops at convention, whether that's uh, doing you know, conversations on the Kappa Kappa Psi Presents podcast, you know, something that really gets the, the conversations of diversity and inclusion into the framework of our organization and make sure that we are preparing our leaders to be multiculturally competent leaders, not just leaders, because we've been doing a great job of that, but making sure that we have them at a level where they can create an accessible and inviting and welcoming space for all members of our great organization. Um, in addition to that, there are some other ideas as well. Um, I think that we've do, been doing a great job on operating on a technological level. So maybe we can take a look at maybe is there a way that we can do some national social events? Um, I know that Among Us is a very popular game right now. So, you know, Among Us nights or watch parties on Netflix, but something to kind of get us together in a non-conventional space and especially to get us together as a national chapter outside of conventions. Um, so that would be something that I would love to to really investigate and take a look at. Um, and then finally, one of the big things I, I really want to look at is I really want to try and find some ways to get people who have not been in the spotlight in our organization. Um, so whether that's talking about uh, really addressing and working with individuals on the national leadership um, to look at holes and organization or, or community members who are not 
a part of the in-group and talking about why and what is preventing certain people from joining Kappa Kappa Psi, um, whether that's looking at individuals who are LGBTQ, whether that's looking at um, individuals who are military or veteran students, whether that's looking at students from HBCUs, minority serving institutions, having conversations about who feels like they are not a part of this organization, why, and what are we gonna do to fix that? Um, so that's been most of the belonging piece. I would say that there are a couple of other ideas that probably are going to pop up once we start to figure out what kind of the fall semester uh, <laughs> really is going to look like, um, specifically around basically training our students to to reopen to each other and to open up about not only the struggles that they've been having, opening up and, and getting to bond and to know each other, uh, because I do recognize we have some brothers who maybe have not ever met their actual chapter in person, um, either since initiation or potentially for almost a year, if not longer. So uh, it's going to be a little bit of training and a little bit of kind of fixing things uh, to get back into the mindset where we're focusing on connection and bonding and not just organizational running, which is what we've been doing the past year. Um, now, specifically within Mattering, this kind of borrows a little bit on belonging uh, because I truly believe that theoretically they're tied together and they're very important to each other. But Mattering, so, so belonging is just, okay, I feel like I'm welcomed. I feel like I'm a part of this group. But Mattering is feeling like I am valued by this organization, feeling as if this organization cares about me as a person and I'm not just a fish in, a, in, a, you know, fish in the sea basically. And so that has to extend the conversation even further. So when we're talking about creating spaces for community members, we also need to make sure that we are valuing their input, making sure that we're taking a look at processes, processes or programs um, that may potentially be either discriminatory towards certain groups of individuals, or perhaps um, I know that there's some language uh, changes that'll be coming in the constitution. Um, that's a great example of this and making sure that everyone's voices are being heard and respected and felt in this organization. I think in addition to that, uh, we need to be doing a little bit a better of a job. Um, this goes back to something that I had said earlier about making sure that we are creating spaces for, for everyone, especially on the local chapter level, to feel like they matter to their chapter. Um, and making sure that we have prepared our leaders um, to not only just get by with, you know, playing kumbaya with all of their members, but making sure that they are a valued and respected individual in the Kappa Kappa Psi community at their chapter, district and national level. Um, I think it's also really important that we have a vice president of student affairs who not only is communicative, but it's also easy to communicate with. Um, and so I have a couple of ideas, um, whether that's through individual reaching uh, through email or text message or Zoom calls or Facebook, um, just to reach out and, and try and set up conversations with them so I can kind of tap into what's happening on the local level, um, but also offering things such as office hours on Zoom and a, a Google voice number so that I can basically be reached at any time. Um, that's one of the things that, you know, me as an academic advisor, I am so used to, is that student crises don't happen within the eight to five. I mean, today's a perfect example. I had a student who called me at 545 with, uh, you know, he's not gonna pass his class for the semester and he was panicking on his drive home. And of course I'm gonna talk to him about it. I'm gonna, you know, calm him down, talk about what's going on and find a solution. And so, 
that's one thing that I want to offer to them is that, you know, I don't want to be that person who you just send an email to and you hope that I respond or, you know, you just hope that I listen. I want to be able to be able to reach you on a more personal level, reach out to you and say, hey, can we schedule a call? to see if we can kind of, I can kind of dig a little bit deeper, get a little bit more context on what's going on. So that way when I raise this concern to the national leadership or um, you know, recommend something, I know that I'm basi- basing that decision on context. Um, and then finally, I think one of the big things that we need to take a little bit more of a look at um, is just making sure that we are not only finding inspiring and empowering stories within Kappa Kappa Psi, um, but we're also doing that with intentionality. Um, I think that we've been doing a great job the past uh, biennium finding um, individuals to highlight during such like Black History Month, for example, and Women's History Month. But I think that we need to revisit a little bit of, yes, it's great for us to highlight these students, but also are we having conversations about why it's important that we highlight these students? Are we having conversations around, you know, are there places in our fraternity where the the voices of female or female identifying brothers are not being heard or seen? Are there spaces within our fraternity where the voices or concerns of Asian American Pacific Islander brothers are not being heard or seen? And if so, what can we do about that? And so that would be some things um, that's going to come through with the, the podcast and the VPSA chats and maybe some district convention work as well on trying to find some ways that we can incorporate, again, some of that DEI work onto a micro level instead of just doing one program and saying, we're good. We've done it. We're really trying to get it down to the bottom. And then finally prepared. I mean, that is something that is is important to our organization at its base value. Um, But I think one thing that we have learned during this pandemic is that we as an organization were not 100% prepared for for what was going to happen. And I think our students are kind of feeling that as well. I mean, they have lost key institutional knowledge. Um, They have lost operational knowledge from a chapter level. They have potentially lost membership along the way. And so I think one of the biggest things that we really need to focus on for the next biennium is, again, not coming up with these lofty ideas and coming up with these great things to, to do things new. We really need to go back to the baseline. We need to make sure that our chapters are thriving and not surviving. We need to make sure that our organization and our our chapters feel prepared to lead. And we also need to make sure that we are preparing the leaders who are going to take their place once they leave. And so I have a couple of ideas. Um, Again, they're a little broad, uh, but talking about some leadership programs, conversations, things like that, to really make sure that we're we're not just looking towards next year, that we're looking three, five, ten years away uh, to prepare our brothers to lead for their futures. All right. So you mentioned that a little bit, and this is a good transition. What is your plan for transitioning our fraternity out of this pandemic and, you know, uh, restoring a new normal for these chapters? Yeah, that's a good question. So I think one of the biggest things that's going to have to happen is obviously we're going to have to do a lot of uh, transitional work um, with our students because some of the things that we've been doing in the past have just, you know, oh, yeah, just read that transitional document and, you know, oh, yeah, listen to this workshop on how to be a historian isn't really going to be the best way to do this because we also maybe for some of these students need to teach them how to be a leader. Um, We have students who have come to their universities and have been online the entire time and haven't gained any 
of those leadership skills that are important to be a historian or an alumni secretary. And so I think that some some of the transitional pieces that we need to be doing is, yes, have a transitional workshop and, yes, talk about how we can prepare these students to be successful in their roles, but also making sure that we're offering something about how to be a leader how to be a chapter officer and what is expected of you as an officer. Um, I think that that's the piece that we sometimes overlook just a little bit, just because we, you know, in a normal year, we have that institutional knowledge, we have that operational knowledge, and someone can just get tapped on and say, hey, what did you do last year? Or, hey, how does the historian do this? For some chapters, we don't have that anymore. And so I think that we as an organization need to be providing that. Um, and that's one of the things, especially with the Google Voice number, that I would love to, to be able to do is you know, be on tap for our officers. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I'm an officer, or I have been an officer on multiple different levels, so I have an idea of what it's like to be a chapter officer and what that expectation looks like. Um, I think in addition to that, kind of in that transi- transitional piece, a lot of those things are going to fall in line naturally. Um, so obviously, as students uh, return to their campuses, if that's something that their university is doing, um, a lot of the pieces I think that have been missing during the pandemic are going to fall back in line, um, specifically talking about the financial piece. I think that has been a big concern, uh, talking specifically about the social and community piece. And then also, in addition to that, I think the purpose piece will really fall into place itself. I think what we really need to focus on and make sure that we have a good grounding base for is making sure that they have not only the information, the resources, and the training to thrive, not just survive. Um, And I'm I'm gonna say that a lot during this podcast episode because I truly do believe in the past year, in the past biennium, we've, we've been surviving. We've made it, you know, from point A to point B, but it hasn't been the, clean, the cleanest transition. And we really need to get back to what was happening in 2019 to 2020, where we as an organization were thriving and having the best time in our history of an organization. We need to get back to that ideally, but we also need to push past that and move into the next phase as well. Um, so a little bit of a soft reset with you know that, that goal and the attention to get us to where we need to go Again, one year, two years, 10 years down the line. Awesome. What is your plan to continue to support the work of the DEIA task force? You mentioned this a little bit before. Um, How do you want to continue that work? Yeah, so I think uh, going back to my statement earlier, it really just goes down to we need to make sure that that work is not just the DEIA task force work. And and I know that they're going to do a amazing job at, at finding ways and, and finding gaps in our organizational structure and what we're doing and what we need to be doing better. But we as a national leadership also need to be putting in the work. And I would also extend that we as brothers of Kappa Kappa Psi also need to be putting in that work. Um, and so that's one of the things that I as the VPSA would like to challenge. Um, you know, I, I I will be honest here. I do uh, possess a white male Um, identity. And so I know that there are some conversations that I may not have all of the contextual knowledge for, or I may not necessarily be the best person uh, to, to run that conversation or have that conversation. But what I lack in those identities, I possess in resources I possess in networks, I I possess in individuals that I could tap in who are more comfortable having that conversation so that we can not only bring in those conversations to the organization, we can also bring in diverse voices to speak on that conversation. You know, and I think 
um, specifically looking at um, the conversation about HBCUs. That is not something that I have contextual knowledge for, but I might be able to tap in a brother who has a long-standing experience with HBCU uh, chapters and, and, and the organization at HBCU level, and ask them, you know, if we were going to be doing a conversation or a program about this, what would you like to see? What do you think is important? Would you be able to help me maybe uh, either run this, maybe uh, ask some of the questions or help me kind of figure out the dialogue for this? Just so that way, you know, this is going to be something that's kind of collaborative, uh, giving space again for diverse voices, especially in a uh, more of an informal leadership role, I would say, um, and really trying to make sure that we are elevating those voices that I mentioned earlier, that we have been doing an okay job at highlighting but we haven't really done, I think, a, as good of a job potentially um, of really raising those concerns in those conversations. So that would be one of the biggest things. Um, and then the the tail end on the back end of that would also be trying to take a look at some things that we can do as Kappa Kappa Psi to bring those conversations back to the chapter. Uh, you know, we just got done with all of our district convention work and we did a great job of having conversations with the individuals who were there. We need to also be doing some work on not only how can you bring this information back to your chapter and put it into practice, but also how can we be creating things so that chapter members can come, not just delegates or not just who shows up to the district convention or the national convention. How can we find a way to bring these conversations to a broader audience? Because everyone in Kappa Kappa Psi can benefit from DEIA work, not just who shows up on that day. Um, so that's kind of a couple of my ideas. Uh, of course, it's going to be more informed based off of what the actual uh, charges look like from the the committee or the task force um, at national convention. And then obviously, if I'm successful uh, in the election process. Uh, but that's a couple of ways that I can see us, you know, really getting to the forefront of this issue and also making sure that that's a structural change and not just a temporary kind of fad that we're addressing. All right, thank you. So the VPSA is the head of the Student Advisory Committee. As the head of the SAC, how do you plan on continuing supporting district officers and ensuring that the voices of all our brothers are heard? Yeah, that's an important piece. Um, and I, I think uh, I, I do want to give a, a personal shout out to uh, the former VPSAs, because when I was a district officer um, on the Student Advisory Committee, not that we didn't really do anything, but there wasn't any like any set expectations for us. We really were just like an awards committee. Uh, we would meet, we would vote on an award at, conven at national convention, and then we were kind of just like done. Um, it was great for bonding, but there was really no purpose. And I think since that that point, we've really uh, identified a purpose for this organization, or the, the really the committee, I would say, um, of the organization. And so that's something that I want to continue. Um, I think that Bong has also done a great job of helping these students not only adapt to what's happening in their districts, uh, but also what's, you know, what's happening nationwide. Uh, and, and how do you lead as a district officer when you don't even know the people that you're leading? You don't even get to have a district convention in person that you're, you're presiding over. Um, hopefully, uh, next year, we won't have that concern or issue. You know, they'll actually be able to be, um, I guess, a little bit more present. But that's one thing that I would really like to, to tap into is some of the approaches that Bong had used um, from this past biennium. And not only trying to give them structure and meaning and training, but also allowing them to be a part of that process. 
So rather than me just being a figurehead and, and setting the agenda and coming up with what we're going to talk about, creating that space within that meeting to say, hey, what's an important topic that you think that we need to talk about? Or what's going on in your districts that you're hearing from your members? And the reason why I want to do that is because that's a really important assessment piece that I can use to close the loop when I sit in on national council meetings or when I go to an, uh, you know, uh, NLC over the summer and say, hey, based off what I've heard from the student advisory committee, this is what I'm hearing from our students. And this is something that I think that either we need to address, we need to fix, or we need to come up with a new new way of doing this. Um, so I think that that feedback loop is really important. Um, I think uh, another thing that has been you know, really wonderful over this kind of virtual period um, is giving them some tasks and things to do, whether that's through the VPSA chats, um, recruiting for the Kappa Kappa Psi Presents podcast out of their district, um, doing some of those uh, transitional documents and transitional trainings. I would love to continue that because it not only gives them an opportunity to shine as committee members, it also gives them an opportunity to practice their leadership skills, which I think is probably one of the most important parts of being a district officer is, you know, making sure that not only are you are getting things done and you're representing your district, um, but you are also developing yourself as a leader while you're doing that. Um, so that's kind of, I would say that the big contextual framework, again, I'm not trying to come up with new ideas or anything to like reinvent the wheel and make it like completely different. Um, I'm really trying to make sure that what we are doing is working. And right now with a student advisory committee, I would argue that it's working and it's going pretty well. And I think that our students are not only enjoying their time as district officers on that committee, um, but they're also finding a sense of purpose on that committee, which is the main reason uh, that it really should be there, is to not only bond with people who understand what you're going through, uh, but also tap on them for resources and ideas, concerns, complaints, and things like that uh, to grow our organization, to grow our districts, and to grow our local chapters. All right, thank you. Um, finally, is there anything else that you would like to say to our listeners, uh, questions that didn't come up that you're just uh, really egging to say out loud? <laughs> um, not anything in particular. Uh, I just wanted to give a, a shout out to uh, the Active Brothers uh, from this past year. You know, you all have been doing amazing work this past year, and I've kind of been watching it from afar and, you know, obviously as an alumni. Um, but the fact that, you know, we are even having this conversation when there are organizations that I either am a part of that are are struggling uh, to even get a convention together. Um, I have some organizations that I've been a part of for a while that have completely folded and they are no longer they're no longer running. And the fact that we are even here having this conversation just proves um, not only how strong we are as an organization, but how resilient we are as a brotherhood. Um, so the, this, the, the light at the end of the tunnel is almost here. Um, I know that this will be coming out close to national convention, um, but it's just a couple more months. We've got everything that we need in place. Um, just make sure that you continue to take care of yourself, take care of your brothers, be there for each other when, when someone needs your, needs your back. Um, and other than that, I will see you all hopefully in person in July in Grand Rapids. <laughs> All right. Thank you once again for joining me. I'd like to thank our listeners and encourage everyone to reach out to any of our candidates with questions. You can look up all the candidates' platforms on the National Commission website. And don't forget to follow the official Kappa Kappa Psi social media or any updates regarding uh, National Convention and elections. I hope everyone's having a great start to the summer, and I can't wait to see you all at convention.